Sometimes, as we are at the Believe in the Land show, welcome. Let's talk about Sunday and then everything else that happened. Let's talk about today. How are you Browns fans? Holy cow, what a win. I mean, welcome to the show. I'm Andy Billman. Believe in the land. What a win. What a win. You know, sometimes you get a little lucky. And there's going to be people out there, oh, you got lucky, Browns. Okay. Flag, disputed call. Sure. Did the Browns get some calls, go against them early in the game? Yes, they did. Evens out. A big part of the preseason was what to do with the kicking game. What to do with the kicking game. That is no longer a discussion. Dustin Hopkins took care of business today. Four for five. Did a great job. Was wonderful in this game. And I mean wonderful. And Mr. Moody for the Niners, who had a chance to win this game, and he had a chance to win this game. Just could not quite do it. And we go all the way back to that discussion. What to do and why this was important. That's why that kicking story early on this pre early on in the preseason was such a big deal. Because of plays like today. Hopkins made all of his kicks. Made all of them. And boy, did the 49ers Moody did not. Jake missed a big kick, 41-yarder, right down the middle of the field. And he missed it. And that's the difference in this game. And boy, was it a huge, huge difference in this game. Dustin Hopkins making his kicks is where I'd like to start off because we talk about oh, sometimes overrating things, but this is why the freak out was happening in the preseason about Cade York. And the Browns got back today what they deserved because they got a field goal kicker who's competent, who's actually able to make a big field goal in a big spot. And my God, did he make a big field goal today. Holy cow, did he make a big field goal. Wow. Biggest kick of that young man's life. And it wasn't very long. 29-yarder for, for Hopkins. But he made it. Put him up, too. And funny enough, as Browns fans, we've seen kickers botch kicks like that. But Hopkins made it. Made a huge 50-yard field goal earlier in the game. Huge. Where it looked like the Browns, who finally got a drive going after the Niners took a, took a 17-13 lead. Hopkins made a huge field goal. Huge to get a 17-16. Not a give me. But he made it. He got everything all right. And that is the Browns of today, isn't it? One team making field goals, the other one missing. But that was a big difference in this game. Big difference. Moody missed two. Hopkins only missed one. On a wet, windy day. Huge difference. 
Cade York wouldn't have been able to even get up to the field to attempt the kick. He never would have made it. Not the case today. That was special. That was fun. That's what we needed as Browns fans. And the Browns finally got it, finally got the turn. After all these years, I'm going through a lot of kickers since since we've had, you know, a changing of the guard. Finally got it right with Hopkins. Hopkins is our kicker. He is a great Browns kicker. And he has finally taken the torch from Mr. Dawson. Oh, I also wanted, I just wanted to say again that we talked about it all preseason. And we were all freaking out about it. This is why we were freaking out about it. Because on a day like today, the Browns needed him to make his kick. Hopkins. He made again, he missed one, but he made the biggest kick of the game. Biggest kick in the game. Huge play. Does not get any bigger from what he did. Just a huge, huge, huge win. And Hopkins was a really big difference in this game. Obviously, the other big factor in this game was the Browns' toughness. The Browns out-toughed the Niners today. They were the better team in the second half. The Browns made one catastrophic error, the Walker interception. And it took all of one play and eight yards for the Niners to score. That was a big play in this game. That interception could have been back-breaking. 13-10. It's one thing Walker could not do. He turned the ball over, gave the ball right in a napkin, right to the Niners, and they scooped it up. Niners are too good not to scoop that stuff up. They did. Made the game. 17-13. But the Browns' defense, outside the final drive of the game for the Niners, did not allow a first down for the Niners in the second half. The defense for the Browns and their toughness really shelled out in this game. The Niners had four drives in the second half, all three and outs. They were unable – oh, actually an interception. Then they had three and out, three and out, three and out punt. But they basically had, you know, multiple drives. They couldn't get anything going. They just could not get things going in this game. The defense really clamped down, really clamped down for the Browns. Their toughness showed up. No one thought the Browns were going to win this game. No one. The line moved to a catastrophic high level of 9.5 to 10. That's a large line for this game. That means everyone in their – Everybody's picking against the Browns today. But they stepped up. No Deshaun Watson. No Nick Chubb. No Joel Botonio. Those are big guys for this team on offense. No matter. Browns found ways to win today. They out-toughed the Niners. The second half of defense was suffocating this game. Suffocating in this game. They really did a great job of enforcing the Niners to punt the ball away 
And the Niners, it Niners really didn't have the ball in the second half. And frankly, the Browns just wore them out. Wore them out. Niners defense was on the field far too long in the second half. Cost them. On the second and last drive, you could tell the Niners were starting to get gassed on defense. When you give up a seven-plus minute drive, and then, you, then the then your offense gives it up the way they did. That's tough. Browns defense really flipped momentum in this game second half. Toughness by the Browns. Saw many players play tough today. I thought Kareem Hunt played really tough today. Jerome Ford had a really big last drive. Done the game-winning field goal drive, 40 yards on the ground. Huge from Jerome Ford. Huge. Finally, finally showing some life, Jerome Ford. Tremendous job. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel as it's called in North America. This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with breslow the business of sports betting podcast amari cooper toughness dalvin tomlinson my gosh Guy just was a monster, monster, monster inside. Tomlinson was just, I mean, just getting through the backfield all day against against the Niners. All those guys really stood out to me. Denzel Ward. Emerson, I thought Emerson had a great day. I know he had a flag on that last drive, but I thought he was great today. Newsom really played well today. Newsom really, JOK. JOK made multiple plays in this game. Just a big day. 
The Niners really focused on the outside guys. And Dalvin Tomlinson, give him credit, he took advantage of it. He forced the Niners to really – I mean, the Niners just could not stop Tomlinson. Tomlinson was just absolute monster today. Monster. Kudos to Jim Schwartz. He got this defense where it needed to be today. He got this defense where it had to be today. Just an unbelievable job by him. Unbelievable job. Just was wonderful today. And he really forced the Niners into situations where they were uncomfortable. The Niners in the second half looked uncomfortable the entire second half. Just the entire second half. Really had a hard time finding their way. They just really, really had a hard time trying to get into positions to win this game. Just a great, great victory. And, you know, Kevin Stefanski, he, <laughs> he had some moments. But today is, for you know, good for Kevin. He really needed this win. I thought, you know, obviously if the Browns would have lost, I would have came in here and said one similar thing. I thought they were really tough today. And I thought they showed a lot of guts. I really did. Browns showed a lot of guts in this game. I thought the Browns on multiple occasions um, just could have, I thought really at times really changed momentum by how hard the Browns played. I mean, look, they're pros. They need to be playing hard. But they played so hard today. They wanted this so badly today. They really wanted to show everyone who how good they were. And they, they, they earned it. And Stefanski, you know, for everything he does, I'll say this, he that drives me crazy, and he does drive me crazy. Uh, Stefanski does a great job of staying mild-mannered. He always keeps his team focused. And he really never gets too high or too low. And that is a compliment to Stefanski that I will say really endures him in weeks like this, where he doesn't panic, he doesn't freak out. Stay the course, and Jim Schwartz really had this team ready to play today. My gosh, he did. Again, in that first half, Kyle Shanahan had a Bill Walsh-like drive. He had the Niners ready. It was 7-0 like that. Like, like that today. It was quick. The Browns didn't blink. They were ready for this game. And they took the punch. And boy, they got punched. And Browns, <laughs> Browns were down 10 nothing. It felt so quick in this game. It's like, geez, are they ever going to be able to climb back in? And they did. They found ways. They clawed. Once you got the 10 nothing, Browns, kudos. Big play to Mari Cooper. Big play in this game. Mari Cooper uh, catch in the first half was huge. Huge. Flipped the field. Got the Browns in position. It was a quirky play, but it worked. The pitch pass from Bryant. Uh, the pitch to Bryant to um to Kareem Hunt, big plays, big plays in this game. And the Browns settled the Niners for a punt. That was huge too. 
it looked like the Niners were going to get more points, and the Browns said, no, no way, not today. Just took a lot. The Niners really came out hot in this game. Really came out hot and really looked like at times they were not going to be able to handle the 49ers uh, wave. Um, Niners looked really, really good coming out. But they did. They handled it well. They were able to settle down this game. And they just did not. I mean, the Browns just hung in there, hung in there, kind of what they had to do today. And they did it. Again, can't say enough about how tough the Browns were today. Credit to Jim Schwartz, and actually credit goes to Kevin Stefanski. He, this was one of his best wins he's ever had as a coach. Such a great day for Stefanski, where no one thought you had a chance. No one. There they were, right there. And my gosh, what a wonderful day. Will we come back? More Browns victory dance over the Niners. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land Show. My name is Andy Billman. If you love instantaneous commentary, as soon as the game is over, go to believeintheland.com, believeintheland.com. Commentary as soon as the Browns game. Cavaliers are coming up in two weeks. We'll be talking about the Cavs at the end of the show today. And also all sorts of gardening stuff during the spring and summer. Check out at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. It's at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. Check it out. Also check out believeintheland.com. All sorts of articles and coverage on the teams and on the city of Cleveland too. Todd Hall, myself, and Tony Camino. Check it out. Believeintheland.com. Also, check out Believe in the Land YouTube page. Wow. Well, we ended with the toughness factor. So let's get into the plays here that really made the game. And I stated earlier, and I can't state enough, that I thought when it was 10 nothing, um, it really felt like it was sliding down a grease pole. And I didn't really have a feeling that the Browns maybe might be able to catch up in this game. Um, I was starting to get concerned. And Amari Cooper made a catch on that drive. That, frankly, turned around the game. Um, just was a turnaround play, something that needed to happen. Uh, the Browns were just not having a, a – a, they were just having a very bad time of it, of trying to get things going in this game. And, in fact, at that point of the game, as I'm looking at it right here on ESPN, win probability, it was an 86% at that point. <laughs> when the Niners were up 10 nothing, I mean, That's how high it got. I mean, it was bad. It just didn't feel like the Browns were getting into position to win. Um, it just felt like they could not get over the talent. And then on a, pot, a pass play where, the yes, the, the Niners guy fell down. He did. There's no question he fell down. But you know what? You take advantage of situations. And the, I thought that was play one. That was a huge play in this game. Amari Cooper had another big day. Big day for the Browns. He just leads quietly. And I was so excited. It was at the end of the game. You could see him on the sideline saying, oh, my God, he missed it. And he was hugging his teammate. And that was awesome. He had four catches today for 108 yards. And he was great. He was great. Um, and I'll tell you. It was a, just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful win. You can you can only say it so many times, but it's it truly was in a game where 
I did not know if I really felt how the Browns were going to be able to get in this game and, frankly, get in this game and win. But that catch settled the game down. It really did. Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. Really, that that play, you can feel the game kind of settle down a little bit. And then Kareem Hunt had multiple big plays in this game. He had a big one from Harrison Bryant. Look, I'm not going to recommend Stefanski run that play a lot, but that was the second big play. Harrison Bryant executed it. It was goofy. And maybe the Browns needed a little goofy today. This game was a this game had a goofy vibe to it. But Harrison Bryant made the pitch to Hunt, and Hunt took care of business from there. And really made the necessary plays. Got a 16 yard touchdown and bang. Hunt today was great. You know, he again, he's not gonna have numbers that's gonna shoot off the page because there's only 12 carries, 47 yards, but those 47 yards felt like they were big yards in this game. Jerome Ford, big, big yards. Marquise Goodwin had a big play in this game. But again, the Amari Cooper catch, the Hunt touchdown, got got the Browns back in this game. Settled the game down. And I thought, again, big play in this game. Niners looked like they were going to get back some of the points they just lost. 10-7 game late in the second quarter. And Purdy was sacked. Huge sack, fumbles. Again, these kind of plays, this is what you needed. Took the Niners out of field goal range. This was a field goal day. Browns made four of them. Niners just could not. Niners really, after the 10-7 touchdown by Hunt, had a really hard time making, making the plays they needed just to get some points. Multiple times, just couldn't get the right play to get the yards necessary. That was an example there. I mean, just Purdy sacked, couldn't get the ball out, fumbles the ball, big play in that drive. Forced forced them to not get any points, punt the ball away. That's what you have to do in these kind of games. Big play. Those little places, again, when it was 10-0 in this game, it felt like the Browns were going to really get blown out. And then the Amari Cooper play, the Kareem Hunt play, followed up with the ending of the sack by Purdy. And Harrison Bryant pitched, by the way, on that play, the, the Kareem Hunt. That really settled this game down. And it really, you could tell the Browns kind of took a breath. Finally, we're like, Maybe we got this. We can finally just exhale a little bit. They needed to exhale. That first half was so, it just, again, the Niners just came out so hot. Five plays, 84 yards, bang, bang, bang. Interception, missed field goals, yikes. Oh, what's going to happen? I mean, you can just feel it. It's like, uh, you just can't get anything. Just could not get anything going. By the way, the, Good old ESPN.com playing games on me there. Had a, uh, had a moment where the volume was loud. Apologize about that. Anyways, back to this. ESPN.com cancel me now. And then from that point on, field goal, Browns will start chipping away, chipping away. 
field goal, interception, Brock Purdy, great play by Emerson. Browns didn't take advantage of it, but they didn't allow the Niners to get back into it either. Uh, it was funny, punt by the Browns, punt back, but the Niners went backwards, punting almost from their own end zone. Basically, we're punting in their end zone. Got the ball to the 45-yard line. Again, not big, not a big drive, 18 yards, but enough to get Hopkins in position. 46-yard field goal. Get the lead. Just chipped away. Browns just kept chip, 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 chip away in this game. Now, the interception by Walker could have been catastrophic. Could have been catastrophic, but the Browns were able to rebound. And, yes, the, the flag on third down was a huge call in this game. Huge call. Can't say it wasn't. It was a huge call. But before you get to that 17-16, the, the Hopkins 50-yard field goal, again, big play in this game, huge play. 17-13, Brown's going a long seven-minute-plus drive, only getting 43 yards. Again, they just chipped. Brown's just kept chip, 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 chip away this game. Trying to shave off things in this game. Hopkins makes another field goal. Closer. And then on that last drive, it's third and ten. It was an unnecessary roughness. When I saw the play fly, I thought it was an unnecessary roughness. I know they didn't think so in the booth, and they didn't think so from Dean Blandino. I've seen that called against the Browns for years. Seen that play called against the Browns. It was time for the Browns to get that call back. The Browns got that call back. And they took advantage from there. Jerome Ford, huge carry. The 22-yard carry was huge. Got them in position. Oh, my God. I'll tell you, it just shows you. You don't always have to have analytics. It comes down to toughness. I thought how often they thought could happen. Rounds are tougher today. You know, Kevin Fancy obviously it's under his win, and he he deserves that one. Was the head coach at the time where they won at the Steelers in the wild card round, even though he wasn't physically there, he's still the head coach, and he deserves a lot of credit for that victory. If you were to ask me, though, his best win, this today was his best win. This kind of win can save people's jobs. He's got to carry it from here. He does. But hey, you're three and two. Changes everything because there's still questions of what happens to this conference. Still not quite sure. What's going to happen from here? With this offense, you know, very murky. Get the PJ Walker out. He was okay. He did the job. For people wanting to praise PJ Walker, I would pump the brakes on that. He was okay. I did. I thought he was okay. Did I, did I get thrilled about some of the things that I saw today from PJ Walker? Um, no. Do I think he did enough today? To hang around for another week? Of course he did. Yeah, he's going to be here for the rest of the season. But And by the way, P.J. Walker played the Niners. But, you know, he got the job done. 
But they need Deshaun Watson back. They need Joel Batonio back. They need these guys back. You know, is he coming back? Deshaun Watson coming back this week? I don't know. After this kind of win, it takes the pressure off of having to have him come back, which I think is actually what has to be done here. Pretty clear Deshaun Watson needs time to heal, and he is not healed. And this is a kind of injury that might take up another two or three weeks. This is week three. Maybe it takes him through the Seattle game. Very possible. Very possible. And the Browns need wins. The Browns need to win next week. In fact, it would be perfect, probably from everybody's thinking, you win against the Colts somehow with Walker. You definitely don't play him against the Seahawks. And then you come home and play the Cardinals. Okay. I mean, that's a plausible plan now. That, winning this game allows you to do that. Browns don't win today. Boy, Browns got to really start forcing uh, him to come back. Him being one. This win is all that pressure. Because if you're really circling on the importance calendar, you really want him back for that Ravens. Because you have two NFC games. But again, you got to keep winning games too. You skip all these NFC games. You got to win two out of these next three. You know, say the Browns got to figure out a way how to win two out of these next three. How do you get to five and four before you play that stretch again? AFC North, AFC North. And then the schedule finally opens up at the end. The schedule for the Browns after that, it goes like this. At Colts, not easy. It's on the road. But, okay, it's finally a game where you, you feel better about the opponent. At Seattle, going to be tough. Cardinals at home should win that game. And then you go two and three. Then Ravens on the road. Gas split. You'd hope you'd win. You'd hope you win both. Get back one on the Ravens. But okay, maybe you split six and five. At Denver, seven and five. At LA, okay, him and walk eight and five. Jaguars, Texans, Jets. Bears. Oof. You know, 85. All of a sudden, you see how you get to 11 wins. Browns need to win two out of the next three now. Compared. So, again, the big question mark has to be can Deshaun play this week? Because if not, I don't see a reason why you don't sit him down again the following week. And then he really tests his arm before the Cardinals game. Browns finally get some road games. They have not played on the road all year. They've only had one road game. Big, big stretch here. Because they got to figure out the Colts is a big game. An AFC opponent, it's a winnable game on the road. Got to figure it out. Got to figure it out. Got to figure it out. Seahawks at Seahawks. That's a game we all we all realize. So again, if you're Deshaun Watson and you're the Brass and Berea, can you figure out how to win two out of three without Deshaun again? I don't know. Maybe. 
I think he can win the Cardinals game, and maybe that'll be good for him to get all that time off before you play the Ravens. Maybe that's the best thing. Maybe he did two more weeks of rest. I think it's very possible. Browns proved a lot here today. And again, if the Browns lose this game, now you got to talk about you got to win the game against the Colts. Now, eh, you need to win, yeah, but not life and death. It would have been life and death at 2-4. And, and again, the Colts games I think is important because it would be great to be able to win that game on the road with a game in your hand knowing you're going to Seattle. Because I think that Seattle game is going to be really tough. And you got the Cardinals at home. And then if you can somehow get, you know, now you're looking at it with a win. Even Deshaun Watson coming back against the Cardinals isn't the worst thing. Joe Petonio is important too. You get Joe back. But again, this win, that's how important it was for Stefanski. Huge win. Mari Cooper catch, the pitch play from Bryant, the sack on Purdy that caused the fumble at the end of the second quarter. Big plays. And then the drone four twenty-two yard run. Huge. A throw in a Hopkins field goal. That Hopkins 50-yard field goal was big. Kept the Browns in the game. Hanging around, hanging around. And that's what you do against teams like the Niners. Just keep hanging around, just keep hanging around, and eventually you get the win. And that's what the and that's what the Browns here did today. They got the win. They hung around, hung around, hung around, hung around, hung around. Did enough to get the victory here today. Great win. Again, Safansky gets credit for the Steelers win. I think this might be his best victory. This was a great victory when no one thought the Browns were No one. They came up with it. We come back. Okay. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. Check out all of our instant coverage as soon as the game ends, like today against the Browns. You could be there with thousands of your friends, thousands of your friends, checking out, talking about the Browns' victory. All the time, too, with the Cavs. All the time, too, with the Buckeyes. As soon as the Buckeye game ends, we will be there. Penn State this week. We're going to talk about that up here next. Big week. Check it out, at Official Cleveland Sports. Add official Cleveland Sports Instagram. Check it out. Also, and as always, go to believeinland.com for all of your Buckeye coverage, all your coverage for the Browns, all your coverage for the Guardians, everything Cleveland Sports, everything Cleveland for that matter. Go to believeinland.com. Check it out today. Still thrilling victory for the Browns, wasn't it? That today was fun. Browns needed that one. I still can't get over how they won that game today. They did such a wonderful job with that game. Buckeyes now. Buckeyes real quickly. They did what they needed to do this week. They were playing an inferior opponent. Winemakers were not up to the task. because That's not surprising. But what they did in the meantime, which was good, and something that the Browns needed, not the Browns, Buckeyes needed to do, was home in on their running game. They needed to figure out what was going on with the running game, and they did. They, felt they finally got some things 
that they that they got going without Travion Henderson, without their stars, um, without their star running back, but really without you know, frankly, just 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 Dallin. That was it, and that was an impressive victory when they did not have their best running backs. And Marvin Harrison Jr. had a good day, yes. But when Dallin Hayden, sorry, not Harden, Hayden. Hayden was your leading rusher. Xavier Johnson did okay. Chip Trainum really didn't play much. Had a head injury. Hopefully he's okay. But that is significant about how well they did today. I mean, I'm sorry, on Saturday. I mean, the Buckeyes, you know, Trayvon Henderson got 152 yards on the ground. They finally got that running game going much better. And McCord came out clean in this game. Much better performance from Kyle McCord. He was dominant from start to finish in this game. Really played well. Really played well. Probably his best game he's had as a Buckeye. Even better than our name game. He was great. He, he was really good. I know the Browns are, in, I mean, I know the Boilermakers. The Boilermakers are an inferior opponent, but my gosh, he they just stomped on him, and they needed this kind of win. They needed a win where they could put it on cruise control. They clearly did today, and they did what they had to do to get the victory and get ready now for Penn State. But again, McCord, who had gotten a lot of brush fire and brush back, even from Marvin Harrison Sr., they didn't think it was very nice or very appropriate. That's for a different, you know, just real quickly on that, people didn't see it. Marvin Harrison Sr. put up a, a photo or two, um, you know, kind of mocking the play of McCord. Um, not sure I understand that from a guy who's got a fellow son on the team. Um, not very gentlemanly, not very fatherly. You know, these kids are all trying. And, yes, McCord, and the amazing thing is McCord's not playing badly. I think McCord's fine. Didn't understand that this week from Marvin Harrison Sr., That said, they did what they had to do in this week. Defense was very good. Boilermakers couldn't make field goals in the rain, and away we go. And, in fact, it wasn't for a Devin Brown fumble. I wonder if this game would have been in the 50s. Uh, they ended up being 41-7. to Now, real quickly on Devin Brown, because I'm glad he got in there and played, and I'm glad he got into moments. You know, if I were the Buckeyes, I would be careful about bringing out Brown too much more. Um, I think Brown is a little loosey-goosey. I thought it was good timing to put him in the game against Purdue, but I actually don't think he's ready for prime time much more than that. Um, I think he they need to relax on him. I'm sure in some aspects just trying to get him into a game, get him into a flow of the game. Okay, you can check that box he did. Would not do too much more, though, if I were uh, Coach Day. I'd be very careful about how you use from here from here on out Brown. I really think he belongs on the bench right now. I'll let McCord drive this thing, but I won't say too much more than that. I thought, again, you got a little too cutesy towards the end of that. Um, it worked out. Bop, bop, bop. Buckeyes win, so who cares? And that's very fair. All to be said, though, you just don't want it to get too cutesy. And I thought at times in that game with Brown, 
they could have uh, pulled back the reins and they didn't. I just didn't think he should have been playing as much as he did. He had eight carries. I thought two or three carries, fine, but eight carries is a lot. And he ended up fumbling the ball. Again, don't want to get, you know, too, you know, was it risky with trying to do something to develop your own quarterback? Yes. But at the same time, like, I think it's more important that McCord gets more opportunities in these spots right now and not so much seeing what Brown can do. I think it's good that McCord can still get some moments here. And he needs those moments. He's still, I mean, McCord's still a young quarterback. I just don't think it's good for his development to be taking Brown in and out of these games. Wouldn't do it. I think McCord needs to stay in there. I think he needs to earn any reps he can get. I think it's very, very important. All right, so you go into the Penn State week. Big game. I think Ohio State will be the, the favorite. They should. Something else, though, to remind everybody. Yes, Penn State's undefeated. Yes, it is Penn State. I mean, you get, we all know that. It's a big rivalry. It's not – and it is. It's, it's become a big rivalry. Penn State, Ohio State, for not just, you know, the football schools and colleges, but, you know, for high school. It's a big thing whenever Ohio and Penn State play. So to see the two college teams play, it's great. It, it reminds me a lot of the fun things whenever I would see a high school team from Ohio, went to Bishop Watterson, play a uh, Pennsylvania team. Those were always big games. So there's a lot of natural, you know, their, their state border. It, it, there's a lot of good things. It's too bad here in the future not going to be playing every year. But from what I've seen, Ohio State, keeps growing each game and they're still not fully healthy. Hopefully Henderson and I would think Henderson would play in this game. I mean, we're just projecting, we're just guessing, but I would think Henderson would play in this game. They need him. A would be great too, but they have so much talent wide receivers. I, I, I think they'll be okay here. Um, you know, Penn state's defense is very good, but Ohio state's defense has really improved. I think in this game, can they get Henderson on the field, keep that running game revved up? Because in past years, you didn't need so much running game. You can pass to win. I think the Buckeyes will need to run here. Um, Penn State's going to force Ohio State to run the ball. Ohio State's going to have to get some yards on the ground. It's going to be very important on Saturday. That's why Henderson coming back is important. Also, also, will Chip train him coming back will be great. They need these guys. They really do. Another thing to keep in mind, this, you know, there hasn't been one of these games. Ohio State, it's a big game, so you want this game? Ohio State really can't afford to lose this game. The way it's tricking on college football, Ohio State needs to win on Saturday. Home game, rivalry, top 10 team, need to win the game. A lot of these teams are not losing. It's still mid-October, so things can happen. But the way things are shaking out, I don't know if Ohio State can afford a loss at home against Penn State. Again, you want to win the game anyway. I think that adds an added element to it. Ohio State needs to win this game. Key to me, can they run the ball effectively and limit Penn State's big plays? Penn State's offense is not comparable to Ohio State. That's the key. 
No turnovers with Ohio State. Really has not turned the ball over this year. Keeping the running game going to play to the pass. Because again, Ohio State, I don't think is going to score in the 30s. I think it's going to be high 20s. And they keep Penn State one of the big plays. I think they will. And they've been battle tested with the Nardame game in their back pocket. Really, Penn State up to this point has really not been tested. I mean, I know people say Ohio State hasn't been, but what's Penn State's biggest game so far? I mean, I guess Iowa and Iowa looks terrible. So this is a big game for both. We all would know. Wouldn't need anybody to tell me. I don't need to tell you that. But, again, I repeat, I think this is a big game for Ohio State to win because of how the teams are shaking around them for the playoff. Only four teams this year. Next year's 12. Need to win that game. Can't afford a home loss. Really can't. Don't think they can lose this game and make the playoffs. That's how big this game is. Ohio State, Penn State will be all over it next week. It should be a very fun game. A very big game. We come back. We'll do a little bit more Browns and the Cavs. Welcome back to the Believe in Land show. My name is Andy Billman. God, what a great win. This defense was great. Just a wonderful win for the Browns. Can I tell you, um, still sitting here just watching all the videos and the reactions from around the country from Browns fans. It's a sweet, sweet victory on Sunday. really was. Cavs. Uh, the Cavs are playing a lot faster this year in two preseason games. They talked about how they're going to be pushing the ball up and down the floor. Sometimes that's just a footnote. And what happens is you, the teams revert back to, especially in the NBA, they always say we want to play faster, more up-tempo, and you really don't see that um, changing a lot from year to year. It, it's sometimes very rare. Cavs are actually doing it. Um, this new team with Struess, with Niang, have more a little bit more attitude, and they're definitely playing with a lot more uh, tempo. I really like what I see from Struess and Niang both. They're going to be bringing a lot. And what's great is it's going to put emphasis on Okoro. If he wants minutes, he's going to earn the minutes. Um, Okoro should not be forgotten or should be given up on. But to be fair, he was given minutes. I don't know if he was earning minutes with the Cavs recently. With these new moves, he is going to have to prove on the floor what he can do. And that's not going to be easy for him at times if he's not able to make shots. Um, Niang and Struess can really make shots. I like what I see from the Cavs a lot, a lot. And as for, you know, Jarrett Allen's injury, it's big. But the Cavs can absorb it on other years. I don't know if they'd be able to absorb this loss. Um, I think Allen's going to be out for a little bit. As we really haven't given a timetable back. Maybe he comes back in 10 days before the season starts. We'll see. Season starts on the 25th. We'll see. Possibly, but I think it's realistic to think that you're you're not going to have them around for a little bit. But in either case, I think they can absorb the hit. They need them at some point. But you know, in past years, if Allen was out, getting towards the regular season, I think we'd be freaking out. I don't think we'll be freaking out with this because of what I just said. I think they can absorb the loss compared to what was the norm for the Cavs in the past few years. That said, my one note on the other end. The rebounding is a real concern for the Cavs. They're going to have to figure out how to rebound better in a preseason. You don't want to put too much stock into it, but they have not been rebounding great. Again, preseason, eh, I don't know how much you put into something like that. 
that said, it's got to get better. Got to get better um, during the regular season. I do think this new tempo offense is going to cause, at times, who is going to be boxing out, especially on defense, because Mobley's going to be protecting the rim. Who's going to be the guys getting the rebound? It's a key thing with the Cavs this year. Something to watch. I like Mobley at the five. It's great. Someone's got to squeeze that orange once the ball gets missed. Who's going to come down with the rebounds for the Cavs? Is something to watch throughout the season. Go Browns, go! What a Sunday it was. It doesn't even matter whatever happened else this week in the week of Cleveland sports. My name is Andy Billman. What a victory for the Browns. Have a good week. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.